0: everybody and welcome to Libromancy, the podcast about the magic of books. Today I'm going to be talking about Dread Pirate Arcanist by Shami Stovall. So let's bond with it. Yes, I know that I said her name wrong last episode. I said Show Me Stovall and then I looked at the covers after I posted it and I realized, hey, that says Shami Stovall. You messed up. So here I am apologizing for that. Sorry, that was my bad. Uh, Let's just talk very briefly about the overview of this book. Again I liked it. These are short, fast-paced books. they I mean they, they, sometimes the events of the book take a little longer but you never feel as if the book is going slow. It's always from one adventure, right to the next. I loved it. I love that we learn a lot more about magical beasts and the bonds between arcanists. I love that we get to see more of all of the apprentices together. We get to see a little bit more of each of their personalities really coming out and starting to mature and develop. You know, no viewpoints from them. That's fine. That's just normal. Um, Just like the the last book, the bingo squares for this one are going to be optimistic and magical pet. Um, Those are the ones that really fit the best. I don't think you could really push any of the other ones too well so now that we've kind of talked about the non-spoilery part and the book bingo part let's just get into spoilers let's start with just a brief kind of rundown of what happens and then i want to talk about a bunch of stuff that i liked i didn't like so first they are on a mission to rescue a griffin that has been found they find the griffin He's been affected by the plague. Volk has to kill him. Yeah, you know, awkwardness ensues. That's how it goes. Then they, they leave. They go back to their main island. They visit Gilly, who is a magical researcher, you know, trying to find a cure to the plague. Then after that, Ilya leaves, you know, goes to Cape Town, Pirate Town, decides to try and stop Callisto, who the pirate who attacked her from doing any more damage. Obviously Volk goes after her after he realizes that she's left and Zelfry, their teacher, catches up with them almost immediately, at least with Volk and then they have to try and catch up to Ilya. Uh, Ilya tries to sell Callisto, a pirate book that he really wants, Um, something about a compass. Obviously she tries to poison him, no effect, and they all have to run. They flee into the forest. Zelfry tries to slow them down, and then, you know, Zelfry's captured. The apprentices, of course, decide to go back and rescue Zelfry, because that's what they do. Being good apprentices, they're gonna, they don't want him to die, so they go around, they rescue Zelfry, and then they're fleeing the ship, which is incredibly tough to flee, of course. They have a small ship, and he has a big pirate ship that he's been preparing for just such an occasion Um, then they have to fight Callisto and his mana core are basically unstoppable. Luckily, Zalfrey gets a little trick in, captures him, but not captures him enough to keep him contained forever. Uh, and then they leave. And they leave him there. Obviously, he's going to get free and become a problem in later books. I am unsure if we're going to see him again soon or if it's going to be a while. But that's just a basic overview. Then I'd like to go into, you know, more of everything. Man, the let's start just back at the beginning, of course. Vulcan's axes have to search. They find the Griffin. The Griffin was shot by the pirates and purposely infected with the plague, uh, providing a win-win for the pirates. Either the Griffin goes crazy and kills a bunch of people, or you know, or they have to kill the Griffin, and then the Griffins are weaker because there's less Griffins around to do that. Um, you know, you learn a lot more about Zaxus in this. That he feels he's being ignored. That he feels his talents aren't as good as Addie's. You know, whoever became the other Phoenix Arcanist with him. And we learn. In the awkward hot spring, of course, because we had to have that scene that Zelfry has been avoiding Zaxus because Zaxus reminds Zelfry of his former apprentice that he had a relationship with and died. And, you know, I did not call Zelfry being gay, but whatever. That's just I didn't see it coming. And there it is. It was there. So it was fine. After that, Sophie <laughs> leaves the hot spring, and of course, who walks up, but Addie walks into the hot spring, and then Volk uh, bails quick. That was pretty funny. Um, of course, I love that in this book with Addie, we learned that, you know, she was never really, like, allowed to have friends on the island that they lived on, and so what she really wants is just to be friends, to have friends. I hope, I think, she's not really looking to Volk for romantic interests, at least not yet. I like it that way better. If that's me personally. You might think differently, but you know, let me know if you do. Um, we also learned that Addie can't heal at all. She has immense control over fire, and her she's very powerful with her fire, but she can't heal, whereas Zaxus has a little bit less firepower, but he actually can heal. You know that's something that's been bothering him. He's trying to work up to her level. And he just can't catch up to her. But in that other one area, he can, and he is. So um, that was that was good. I really liked the just the more we learn about them. Um, of course, visiting Gilly, we learn about imbuing the researcher Gilly, the researcher, and we learn about imbuing, which is great. And imbuing is. Pretty cool, It you know, creation of magical artifacts. You pour magic into an artifact, use a star piece as, like, the glue to keep it there forever, and you put a lot of effort into it, and it works. And that's, you know, simple but tough. And I really like the explanation that she showed him. Of course, at this time, Ilya has asked Volk to create a distraction so she can steal something. And I love that his distraction goes horribly, horribly wrong, and that not only does he knock over one bookshelf, but all the bookshelves and all the glass instruments and breaks a ton of them. And, oh, that was so funny. Now, what did Ilya steal but King Basilisk Venom, which I could only assume was incredibly dangerous until she told me that it was. And I'm not going to lie, my honest thought was that she was going to get touched by the King Basilisk Venom and then she was going to die. That's where I went. I thought it would be near the end of the book when she finally got to meet with Callisto, and this happened. I was wrong again. Yes, I freely admit it, I was wrong. Ilya, having been spurned by Volk because he says, you know, maybe we shouldn't go after the Master Arcanist with years of pirateering experience, and us as mere apprentices, having weeks, nay months, under our belt of practical experience, should not attack him and try and kill him. And so she leaves, of course grabs Zaxis and Hexa, leaves in the middle of the night, and as soon as Volk wakes up the next day and realizes what's going on, what's going on uh, decides to go after her, of course, because he does love her. He just won't admit it, and he's very naive about it, but we can see it, and we know what's going on, so just be happy with that, right? So, of course, Elfri catches them. They get there. Like we said earlier, uh, is trying to sell Callisto, who is the pirate that had pirate kept a book about a directions to a compass. She throws the poison, which has no effect because he just killed a unicorn and imbued it into a magical artifact which protects him against all poison including King Basilisk poison so yeah kind of a bummer there like obviously the deal goes bad now I want to skip a little bit they fight they flee they fight a little bit more and when they are rescuing Zelfry you're trying to rescue Zelfry they get on Callisto's pirate ship and they meet a gargoyle a huge gargoyle who's in a cage and he has the plague and they talk to him and he's like hey You don't let me out. Uh, You're going to regret this, and you're not going to like what happens next. Now, they don't let him out, but he does reveal that there are two different kind of forms. There is a true form, which we've been led to believe you can accomplish by embodying the ideals of your Eldrin or your magical creature. So, leader of the Frith Guild has Atlas Turtle. As her companion, her ideals are protection growth. So by being held to these ideals as a person, as an arcanist, she's able to unlock the true form of her atlas turtle, which makes it grow bigger and stronger. So that's the true form, which is the embodiment. That's the goal everyone strives for. And then the plague does not the true form. The plague leads to the dread form, which you know, it sounds scary, and that's kind of what it's supposed to sound. It's the the creature's most dreadful form. Now, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's any weaker after you get to the dread form, but you have to actually get all the way, and it's very tough, and, you know, usually you die of the plague or go crazy first before you can reach that. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I also loved when they're on the ship, they are talking to Callisto because, of course, they've been found out, and Ilya is like, hey, I'm not going to stand for this. Like, you have to listen to me and, like, deal with me, and she teleports cannons up in the air and then drops them on the ship what a great use of teleportation powers uh obviously it's not enough to like sink the ship but it's definitely enough to to get out of there and to save their lives now at this point i thought the gargoyle would come back you know maybe in the next book that he would show up and cause some havoc uh, because he does get free while she's dropping cannons everywhere They are eventually able to flee and get onto a much smaller ship and sail away as fast as they can. Of course, they can't actually sail very far or very fast because they are not in a true boat. They're just in a little smaller boat to get away as fast as they can. So they crash land on an island. And they try to hide out. Of course, Callisto comes right after them. He's not dumb. He's following them the whole time. Oh, the fight between Callisto and the Gargoyle, though, because this is the Gargoyle makes his return. It was impressive. Like, you know the power of the Gargoyle that he is... Heads and shoulders above the apprentices in our story, and Callisto just makes short work of him. Just demolishes this gargoyle, cuts his arms off, and just has power. Then we learn that Callisto has the true form of the Manticore, his bonded magical creature. The Manticore is very creepy. And very disturbing. Uh, he kept asking to take his mask off, which just was like, Ooh, I don't really want to see that. But you know, when it happened, it was it was well written, like, very scary. So that was that was impressive. I love that Volk, of course, is has to use his abilities to imbue to create a magical artifact to deny Callisto what he wants. And so, as you know, in the book, Callisto has found the a World Serpent Scale. He is trying to find more World Serpents to gain their power. And so Volk takes the World Serpent Scale and turns it into a shield which I thought was really excellent because it truly identifies Volk as more of a protector rather than just a killer or a fighter. You know, his nightmare, Luther already has a sword, and the shield is the perfect counterbalance, of course, to a knight obviously that makes a lot of sense but the reasons behind it for volk felt very real and not just oh well you're a shield you have a sword you need a shield let's let's do that for you it was very based on on volk's feelings of not actually wanting to kill people but being forced to do it sometimes and knowing that that's okay, but the shield is really the definition of kind of who he is. He wants to protect and help and be a shield to other people who can't be a shield themselves. One time when this has really showed that Volk is more of a protector is after he fights the Wendigo and his Arcanist for the third or fourth time, and he finally gets a resounding victory over him. He doesn't go for the kill, even though this Wendigo and his Arcanist have tried to kill him multiple times, but he sees the person behind the person who's been trying to kill him, just that, you know, he was forced into a bad decision, that he never really wanted it, and he doesn't want to kill him, of course. And so he sends him away. He says, hey, you know, I know this magical researcher. She's studying the plague, trying to cure it. I know that as a Wendigo, you are, you know, you have immunity to the plague and to other diseases. You know, go study with her. She'd love to have you. That would be something useful and productive. You could do it. You know, Wendigo, the Arcanist and the Wendigo take that deal and leave, you know, hopefully to go there. We don't know exactly, but that really just goes to show his character and his resolve that you know, he doesn't need to kill, he is not going to. But we've seen and we see again that he is not unwilling to make that decision, he just doesn't want to. I was talking about Wendigo's being to disease all apparently human eating magical creatures are immune to disease and therefore immune to the magical plague. How unfair is that? But at least they can't grow stronger by giving themselves the plague, so Kind of a benefit for us, kind of not. So let's let's talk about magical creatures and their bonds. Man, there are some horrible bonds that you have to perform to be an arcanist for some creatures, especially the people eater ones such as the kappa, which, you know, water creature, but to give up, you have to be a, mo- a woman and give up your child to be eaten by a kappa, and then you can get the bond. Just cruel and unusual and horrible, or the wendigo where you have to give up part of your body to be eaten by it in order to bond it. Like, man, that is a tough decision that these people have made and a horrible decision for the most part. You know what? Not for the most part. For all of it. uh, Yeah, I say that it is a truly horrible and despicable position to bond with at least a kappa. Potentially not the Wendigo because eating somebody is just kind of normal for them, but, you know, forcing a mother to give up her child to be completely eaten and killed by you is is completely different and much worse so so that kind of wraps up all the main things that happen in this book with a lot of other things that of course i just am not touching on because but a couple things that i'd like to talk about still Ilya and volk get a little bit closer Ilya really puts herself out there. I was kind of wondering if she was going to straight up say it, of course, and she didn't. But I think they're getting closer to admitting it, that they love each other. Um, I enjoy it. I like it. I like that Edelgis tried to... Kept influencing them dreams and giving them good dreams, but they're tainted by his own fears. And we learn that he has a magical creature... Like, growing inside of him that his father put it in as an experiment for him to basically house a magical creature. And how gross and disgusting is that? I feel like we're going to get some resolution on this in the next book. I'm kind of excited to see what happens there that we learn. His father who put it in is not really the loving father that we thought he was but that he is cares more about his science and his experiments than about his son. Yeah, I I think that's going to wrap up everything today for me, talking about Dread Pirate Arcanist by Shami Stovall. I really enjoyed it. I think anybody who enjoyed the first one is also going to enjoy this one. Uh, I recommend it. It fit my bingo squares. It's fun, good. So thanks for listening, everybody. Again, thanks to David Hillowitz for trying out to me. If you have any comments, questions or comments or you want to argue with what i said or you think i'm wrong just send me an email let me know at libromancypod.com of course remember to bond with the magic of books